Hello and welcome. You're tuned in to another segment of Women Who Boss Up. I'm your host, Taylor Hayes. Women Who Boss Up is conversations with women who rise above and become bosses. These women have a sense of confidence and awareness about where they stand in the world. And my guest today, she is actually the youngest person I've interviewed on my show. She is 31 years old. Her name is Antoya McCall. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I am good. I want to thank you for taking the time to come in and share your journey with us and our listeners. So this young lady is making moves. She had the opportunity to do something she loves outside the United States. Tell us what you do. I am a resident director for a study abroad program in Columbia. Columbia. Nice. Let's talk about before you ended up in Columbia, you had an opportunity to go outside the United States and study abroad. And that's kind of how you ended up in Columbia, correct? Yes. So, So let's talk about the journey to get to Columbia. Well, I because I was a Spanish major in college, my advisor said, listen, you have to study abroad because all Spanish majors need to have that experience. And so she said, you should go to Ecuador. And I said, oh, no, I've never been abroad. You know, I don't know. I'm a homebody. But I ended up going, and I loved it. And the people that I met there, the relationships that I established there, a lot of them were from Colombia. And so many people in Ecuador said, if you love Ecuador, you would definitely love Colombia, especially because there's a large black Colombian population there. And so then I applied to Fulbright Scholarship, and I got a chance to go in 2014. And then they called me back in 2015. And so I've been living in different regions and different cities throughout Colombia ever since. Okay, so you Mm -hmm. said you were a Spanish educator. So originally, so here in the United States, I'm a Spanish teacher, and I've taught at Ben Harbor, and I've taught in school in Chicago. But abroad, I'm an English teacher because they speak Spanish, so they're interested in learning English. And so I started teaching English in a university in Cartagena and then English in a university in Santa Marta, which are two cities in the Caribbean coast of Colombia. And then I moved to the Pacific coast, and I was an uh, academic director. And then now I'm in Cali, Colombia as a resident director of the study abroad program so i've been in different capacities and different jobs yeah you have really that's awesome <laughs> yeah. so where did you go to college michigan state university all right to michigan state yeah. go green go white <laughs> exactly <laughs> why did you choose the career path well i always wanted to be a teacher i have a passion for just creating spaces for black and brown students in the classroom for them to be heard to be understood and so ever since i graduated high school i said i wanted to be a teacher there was a math teacher that inspired me his name was mr hamill in high school and so because of him i said i want to be a math teacher and i got to college and i'm like i don't like calculus so i can't be a math teacher but i always loved spanish so i picked spanish up and then i decided to teach that instead and it's um been a great opportunity really. So Centoya, do you feel you are walking in your passion and your purpose? I think that I am. Of course, I feel like my passion is added to or taken away or I change it every time. But ultimately, I want to be in the work of creating spaces for youth, black and brown youth in the community. And because I love speaking Spanish, I love studying black identities and blackness. And I love creating spaces for people from the African diaspora to connect and talk and share their stories. That's what I'm doing all in one because my program is about black Colombians and I bring students from the United States that are attending HBCUs because study abroad is predominantly white. It's 65% white female. And so this program is a predominantly black cohort. And so I'm seeing my students like interact and learn about the Colombian cultures. And and I'm practicing my Spanish because I live there. So it's my passion all in one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Right. I could tell the excitement in your voice. It's like you really like it. Okay, so 
How important was it for you being an educator and having an impact on a child's life? You know, it's funny because you go into thinking like, oh, I'm going to really be a positive impact on the community, which we are, I think, as educators. But really, students inspire me. Like, I feel like once I started, I stayed in, the, in you know, in the education, in education because students, I see like every day them come to class and they have obstacles that they overcome or they think for me in my classroom in the beginning, they're like, I'm not interested in learning Spanish. I just want to speak English. But then at the end of the year, they're like speaking Spanish fluently, speaking with my friends from Ecuador and Colombia and so um, and then they're thinking beyond the United States context now they want to go travel and they want to speak a different language and they're listening to music from Latin America and so I think that is what keeps me going that's the important thing to me it's like the, I go in thinking I'm going to be an impact but then they inspire me and they keep me motivated so that's awesome yeah. having that cultural yeah it's inspired students inspire me yeah, and they and they they are having that cultural interconnect that cultural connection with, you know, my friends abroad. So just seeing all of that transpire in my classroom is exciting. Yeah, great. You said your first study abroad was in Ecuador, and you ended up in Colombia. So let's talk about that journey. So your first time when you went to Ecuador, was you nervous? Were you excited? Extremely what was nervous. that experience like? It was extreme. I was. So nervous. And my parents were too. So I remember my mom and dad, they were crying. Well, my mom was mainly crying. <laughs> and my dad was like, it's going to be okay. So we're all in a panic. Um, I get on the flight and I go over there. And this was before, like, you know, all the technology now. We just had Skype. And so I didn't really know the family that I'll be living with. But I got on the plane. I went there. I got there. My family was amazing. And then I ended up Skyping my parents in the morning. And they waited by the computer all night because they were so nervous. But... Yeah, so I got there, and then I just fell in love with the culture and the community. But I would say the main thing that kept me curious about life in Latin America is when I got there, I saw people that looked like me. I'm like, wait, there's black people here. How is that possible? And they're like, oh, Ecuador has a large black population, black Ecuadorians. And I didn't know about this. And so I'm like, oh, we need to do better in our classrooms. Let's start teaching our youth that there's people that look like us, that speak Spanish. And so that's how I kind of stayed on that journey because Colombia has a large black population as well. But I mean, I was nervous and I didn't know, but hola, chao, tengo hambre, like hi, bye, and I'm hungry. Those are the three <laughs> words that I knew in Spanish. But I got there and I picked the language up and it's, it wasn't easy. Easy, but you're surrounded by Spanish all day long. And, of course, it was hard for my parents because they were nervous. I'd never been abroad. I'm the only child. But I'm so glad looking back that I did that because I wouldn't be where I am if I allowed my fears to um, hold me back from that experience. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And you know more Spanish than I do. <laughs> I have to talk after well, the now. segment. <laughs> okay, so you're now you're in Ecuador, and you went to Ecuador teaching English. No, I went on a study abroad program. Study abroad. Mm -hmm. okay. So my university sent me there to study Spanish. Now, after that, you came back to the United States, and then you had an opportunity to go back. Yes, let's to Colombia. To Colombia this time. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so when I went back the first, so I've been to Colombia so many times. Uh, like I said, I've been going back and forth since 2014. But after I got back from Ecuador, I said, all right, I like this experience. I like living abroad. I like studying about my people in Latin America. So the next program, I see it's a Fulbright scholarship. And Fulbright is like this there's multiple projects in Fulbright, but mine was to teach English. So I applied and I got in, and so I went the first year as an English teacher in a university in Cartagena. And most people know Cartagena is like a Caribbean, it's the Caribbean coast of Colombia. And there's a lot of black people, so I was glad I was placed there. And that was such a great experience because I built so many genuine 
authentic friendships that I, and people that I still connect with today and that have been such an influence, a positive influence on my life. So that was the first year. And then I came back, taught at Ben Harbor. No, I came back and then Fulbright called me and said, hey, you had a great experience. Can you come back and teach at a different university? And I'm like, okay. So then I went back, came back, taught at Ben Harbor. And then I missed Columbia so much that I started looking for other job opportunities there. And so I went back and now I'm here still. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now let's talk about the role you're currently in now. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that. So I work for a program called CET Academic Programs. They are based out of D.C., Washington, D.C. They have programs in so many different countries, Japan, Brazil, Colombia, Vietnam, so many. But the Colombia program is new, and they opened it with the theme about race, identity, and ethnicities, and we're studying black communities in Colombia. And so we, you know, travel to different black communities. We take students to Palenque, to the coast, and their classes are about black identity. In Colombia, they're taught by people from the community. And so we, I had to build that program with the help of two other people um, from scratch. But it's been a pleasure because those are the topics that I like, and I'm working with people from the community, and we are Mainly, we try to really promote um, that program in our HBCUs here in the United States because there's such a low percentage of black and brown students studying abroad. But with that topic interest, we see that more black students are enrolling in study abroad because of the program. That's awesome and amazing. I agree. We need to experience more cultural connections outside of the United States and just learn, learn history. Absolutely. So then basically you're based back in the United States? I'm here because of COVID-19, unfortunately. Yeah, the border's closed. And, I, you know, I wanted to be closer to my family around this time. So I'm here. But I'm doing some promoting virtually. I have, like, a, a couple meetings with some universities next week. So I'm here, but I'm working on some, like, virtual projects with CET. How does your parents feel now that you've been outside the United States several times? <laughs> yeah. They, I, they, you know what? In the beginning, it was hard. In the beginning, my dad was just like, I don't understand. Why can't you find a job here? And, you know, my mom, <laughs> she was supportive, but at the same time, sad, at the, you know. So I'm her baby, too. So it's it was really challenging in the beginning. And I miss my family, too. It's not easy for me. But now I think they got an idea of, like, my passion, and they see it. Like, my mom's come to Columbia twice, and she was able to come this past October with a friend and they saw my job and saw what I do and the housing that I set students up in and you know how excited I was and so now it's easier for her and my dad he's been to Columbia once they came when I, um, in the beginning when I lived in Cartagena so I think now that they've been there they understand what I do they know that my passion is you know beyond the Niles context I think that I think they're a little bit better uh, maybe. <laughs> I think they should be. <laughs> they yes. should they be. Should be yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about housing and living for you in Columbia. So I have my own apartment and everything. And I've been able to, because I speak Spanish, I've been able to, like, you know, find my community and establish a community and housing situation there. But it was fine for me to do. But I do have my own apartment and I have my own own separate life there that I navigate pretty well yeah okay that's good yeah so what was life like growing up for you you know life of a you know only child yeah I think people always say oh my god you're only child that means you were spoiled (laughs) like no I mean I think there's some benefits and there's some some advantages and disadvantages I, I think being the only child your parents put so much focus and attention on you and in their eyes you will always be like their baby girl 
you know, I've had so many arguments with my family because I'm like, I'm okay. I'm 25 years old now or I'm 31 years old now. And so I think those were some, I, you know, there were definitely challenges like growing up and me going away and them having to accept like this new reality where they have to, you know, focus on that now and their relationship and their marriage because their daughter's gone and, you know, away. And then it was also been like a blessing because like I have parents who are invested in my goals and my dreams and they may not understand it completely, but they're always there at the end of the day. And so I wouldn't say like growing up, I would say it wasn't like I didn't have any challenges because <laughs> there were many challenges. But I think as a family, we still come together and we just figure out like how can we you know, continue to move forward and support each other in our passions and our drive. So you would say that they would loosen the reins on yeah. you a little bit. You're 31 oh, now, right? Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I've and i always tried to, ever since I was like 15 or 12, really, because I worked at Tasseling Corn, I always tried to work hard for my things because I didn't want people to think that I was like a spoiled brat or, or I was spoiled in general. So I'm like, mm-mm, I worked for this. You know, I've had a job <laughs> since I was 12. But because I'm the... My parents just automatically had it. Cater, because you are the only one. Yes, I understand. Yeah. Okay, so would you say you have a sense of confidence and awareness about where you stand in the world? I do. I know what my beliefs are. I know what my, I feel like my purpose is in life. But there are some areas that I could grow a little bit more in confidence. Like we all are. I think, you know, what's so beautiful about women or black women too it's like we we work really hard we have our goals we accomplish them we tear down obstacles that were built for to stop us but then at the same time we are vulnerable and that's important to acknowledge or we do have these weak areas that we can you know um seek help out you know seek help on improving so i do think that i'm confident and i know what my mission is in life i know what my purpose is and i am following in that path but there are some areas that i would like to see growth in and i'm Mm -hmm. working on that right now so what areas are you working on? Self-compassion. Like, I always, like, ever since I graduated high school, I've, like, written down these goals that I wanted to accomplish, and I'm and I'm hitting them, like, boom, okay, Fulbright, done, Ecuador, done, Columbia, done, graduation, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm reaching this point where I'm like, okay, I'm a little tired, <laughs> and that's okay. Or, you know, with the COVID-19 situation, like, we all had to adjust our path or our agenda. Like, I was supposed to be in Columbia, but now I'm home in Niles, and so I'm like, okay, what can I gain from this experience? being home now being around family and just being okay with it not being hard on myself you know like not thinking like I'm lazy because I'm not up reading or writing a a paper or you know working on something trying to get to the next step like okay take this moment to be with family to be with friends it's okay okay maybe you struggle in this area it's okay you're getting help so I think self-compassion for sure and just being easy on myself because I'm kind of like hard on myself when I don't do something the right way or in the perfect way yeah I think being black women we all are we just are. because of the obstacles that we have to jump over absolutely and in this um you know notion that we all have to be strong you know strong black women and and we are strong and we are you know but i think that trying to constantly you know overcome these obstacles without taking a break or just sitting in un- uncomfort is hard for us to do so i'm working on that Okay. As long as you're aware of it and working on it, they say that's the first step, right? Yeah. So how does it make you feel that you're making a difference in creating change? That's a good question. I, it's really an honor to see young people grow into the best individuals that you knew they were, but that they, you know, didn't struggle to see it in the beginning. So I really enjoy seeing my students transform into responsible, smart, young people who are also passionate about their lives. 
I get to see how they were in the beginning and then how they were, how, you know, and I've, Recently, I saw like a, a couple graduates from Benton Harbor, and I was just so proud of them. Some have gone on and got master's degrees. That's my goal now. Uh, so that that has been a really good experience, and I think that as educators, we we hang on to see that outcome. You know, they always say like, "Oh, but teaching is not about the income; it's about the outcome." Although we do need to raise an income, I agree, yeah. but that outcome is like what we see like students going on and following their dreams, or getting married, or getting college degrees. That's what I do my work for. Right, because you help plant that seed for them to move forward Absolutely. And, and, and chase those goals and dreams. Absolutely, and I teach high schools. Well, I taught high school. Now I'm working with university students. But those are still, like, moments in their lives where it's, like, pivotal moments, like important moments where you can shape which direction they're going in or encourage them or influence them and have, like, meaningful conversations with them about their future. That's the grade, grade levels that I like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what motivates you? couple things. Can I name a couple things? Sure. Uh, I mentioned my students, for sure. They inspire me to keep going because I see them constantly, you know, striving to be the best that they can be. Community, and community can be my community in Niles, my family, my friends here, or my community abroad in Ecuador and Colombia because I have multiple communities, but just connecting with them and building genuine relationships with them and loving them and caring for them and then seeing them do that to me in return, that is what keeps me going. And black women, you know, I really do get inspired when I see like women doing the best that they can and just constantly making big boss moves. And through the many obstacles and challenges that they have in their lives. So, yeah, there's three. Community, okay. black women, and my students, of course, and, you know, family, which that's a part of community. So well, uh, Exactly, yeah. right. So what or who's your greatest inspiration? That's a really good question. My parents. My mom, she's worked really hard in her life, and I see the how it's paying off for her in such a positive way. And they, and my mom and dad, they both love and care for people. And just seeing, like growing up and seeing how much love they show to other, people's and other people and then in return how much people show them love, that inspired me to like have a warm heart for other people no matter, you know, from they're from the same community as me or not. You know, like my, I feel like I've built such a strong, you know, re- strong relationships in Colombia and Ecuador, but it's because I got those skills from my parents. Okay. Yeah. So I would say my parents, for sure. That's awesome. I'm sure they yeah. would love to hear that. <laughs> so what's next for Centolia? Now, you mentioned going back to get your master's, but yeah, what's next I do. for you? I want to get, I, well, so if we can open our program again, because it's been closed because of COVID, I think opening that program and building it back up to where it used to be. And I would like to get my master's degree. I've been saying that for the last six years, and I've been holding it off because I've been falling into these cool job opportunities in Colombia. But I, my, my next goal is, is to get my master's degree in black studies or anthropology and also just working on being present like enjoying like stopping and I know it may this may be cliche but like just stopping and smelling the flowers around me and you know counting the things that I'm my blessings and and reflecting on like what I'm grateful for because I feel like I'm always trying to get to the next step but I want to really work on being present in the moment and just having that conversation with God and thanking him for the opportunities that he's provided me with. So, yeah, master's degree. I like that. And That's yeah, a part yeah. of self-care, you know, yeah. as far as mental, <laughs> right. you know, reflection, refreshing yourself. Yeah I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, those two. Yeah. Okay. What piece of advice would you give to college graduates? College graduates, 
I think graduating, graduating from college is such an exciting time, but also it can be a scary moment too because you're no longer with your friends or with around young people or in the classroom, but you are now thrown into this world and you have to remember all the skills that you learned in college and apply them in like real life and that can be scary. And sometimes like it's a transition that can cause a lot of depression and things. So I would say to college students or college graduates that no condition is permanent I remember graduating and thinking like I don't think I'm gonna make it I don't think I'm gonna make it in this real world like I'm so tired all the time because I was teaching I was also in an internship and someone told me like no condition is permanent sis like whatever you're going through now it shall pass and you're gonna you know get through and so I would like to pass that I mean there's so many things I could say but that's the one thing that I remembered during my graduation year at Michigan State and I would like them to remember remember that too when they're going through hard times with their finals or whatever no condition is permanent like whatever they're going through will pass and to keep pushing and keep striving that the world is theirs really exactly yeah. the world is what you make of it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah what kind of legacy would you like to leave that is a tough question and a good one I guess I would like to leave a legacy of or just being remembered by someone who created spaces for black and brown youth you know, someone who believed in the youth and inspired the community. So that, I don't know, like, how to best word that, but everything I think that I do in my work, in my line of work right now, is for the future generation. And so if I could leave something behind, it would be whatever <laughs> that inspires that legacy to continue on to generation to generation as we just could create um, safe spaces and loving spaces for black and brown youth in education to excel in life. Uh-huh. I have to think on that some more, though, but thanks for that question. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> so I ask all of my guests, what is their definition of a boss? Ooh. You know what? That's a good. Okay. So it's not, it's not just someone who, like, demands, but it's someone who's confident. It's someone who is, is an activist who works who know how who knows how to work in community and alone who inspires who cares and nurtures it's just so many things who's passionate and who gets it done no matter what <laughs> you know no matter the obstacles who gets it done yeah i like that okay <laughs> Centoya, is there any last remarks you'd like to share with our listeners? I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come on here and share my story. It's so important for our community, so I'm really grateful, and I look forward to hearing the other stories of, of women who share you know, their passions and their experiences. So thank you so much for creating this space for me. You're welcome, <laughs> and I want to thank you for taking the time to share this information with our listeners. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And you're tuned in to another segment of Women Who Boss Up. Until next time, have a great day.